just pray for me. Um, there's just a whole bunch of stuff happening and really seemingly all at once. And it's not just FCC-related stuff. Obviously, there's a whole bunch happening um, at our church and everything's starting up again, but school and household projects and friendships and community events that we're involved in. And it just seemed that every few moments, another thing kind of popped into my mind and started taking over my thoughts, and I wasn't really getting anything done. So I, you know what I did? I called my wife and said, can you pray for me? And I was like, well, I need to take an early lunch, okay? So I, I grab my chicken and Brussels sprouts in the kitchen, and I take them back to my office, and I thought, you know, I should just take a moment and eat this and enjoy it, but it's really hard for me to take my time at things, and I'm really a rusher. I just feel like I need to get stuff done. And so that's how I then viewed my lunch, right? I just got to finish this thing. I got to get it down so I can move on to some other stuff. Well, when you start wolfing down cold, dry chicken and leftover Brussels sprouts, you start running into a problem when you don't have something to wash it down with, right? And uh, it was all just kind of lodged in my throat. And it was as if I had like entered into a competition for growing the world's largest Adam's apple. It was just like stuck there. I'm like, I'm in pain and, uh, and I feel like I just had, hit like a growth spurt and like this thing was just lodged there. And has anyone ever done that? Have you, yeah, maybe, okay. Don't do that today, okay? Don't do it today. Um, and it happened because I was rushing and I was rushing to try to get a whole bunch of stuff done. So I needed prayer and so I called my wife. I said, hey, can you just pray for me? And I got off the phone and I still had all those things kind of swarming around my mind. And I was asking God to give me peace and to calm my restlessness and I, need, need, I knew that I needed to start working on the message for this weekend, but I needed another cup of coffee before that. So I make my way back down to the kitchen, and I'm going to start making another cup of coffee. And on the way down to the kitchen, I stop and I talk to Shane a little bit in his office, and he asked me, hey, what do you think about singing the song, what, I ha- what a Friend We Have in Jesus this weekend? And I was like, sure, it sounds really good, right? Just kind of like a casual conversation, sure, sure it sounds good. I didn't really think much about the song. I mean, I knew the song was a good song, had good lyrics, and so I was like, yeah, go for it. But internally, I was thinking about how much stuff I had to get done. So I get my cup of coffee, and I stop by Erica's desk briefly, and I make my way back to my desk, and I still feel overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden, do you know what I hear coming from Shane's office? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. (laughs) There I was, feeling overwhelmed. I called my wife for prayer. I was still overwhelmed. And then God said to me through Shane, hey, remember you have a friend in Jesus. Why don't we sing that song? I'm still overwhelmed. And then I realized that I forfeited peace and I carried pain needlessly. Why? Because I wasn't carrying these things to God in prayer myself. And so do you know what I did? I did the pastoral thing to do. I decided to pray, right? I decided to pray. And you know what I whispered to the Lord? Two words. Two words. God, help. That's it. That's it. I had stuff to do, right? The stuff vying for my attention kind of kept swirling and swarming around my mind, and I still had just as much work to do, but now maybe the most important thing was done because I just acknowledged to God that, look, I need help. I need help. 
And it took my wife and it took a good friend in the office next door singing truth-filled songs with lyrics that floated around the office complex to get me to realize that I'm in desperate need of God. Things were now in their appropriate places in my life. God didn't need me to get a whole bunch of stuff done for him. I needed God in order to get a whole bunch of stuff done. And now that that was clear in my mind, I'm kind of off the pedestal here. This is about God and his work. Then I could get on with serving him. The funny thing is, the ironic thing is, is that I wanted to come up with an illustration to open up the message that centered around the concept of having a whole bunch of stuff that needed to get done. And I wanted to get a picture of busyness, and lo and behold, God made me the illustration, right? That's how God does stuff. He does it that way. Does anybody ever wish that there's a staggered start to life? I've talked to some people this week, school starting up, ministry starting up, all kinds of stuff happening. It's like, man, I wish we could just delay all these things, like maybe, yeah, because there's just so much happening. And so here we are at ministry kickoff weekend, and there's a lot to kick off to set into motion this week. And if you think about a kickoff in football, it all starts at once, Right? 11 players take their places on the field, and each player is armed with their specific assignment on what area of the field that they are to cover, and then the ref blows the whistle, the kicker lowers his arm, and he starts approaching the ball, and as he does so, all the players attempt to time it just right, that at the moment the kicker actually makes contact with the ball, they all start racing down the field to cover their assigned responsibilities. And this is what we're going to do today. We just got the ref to blow the whistle at us, and we're putting all of our arms down. We're approaching the ball, and the ball is going to be launched through the air. And it's all of our jobs now to race down the field to our particular jobs and kick coverage. We all have to do this. In football, you don't just want the kicker to kick the ball and then try to race down the field and tackle. The whole team actually has a responsibility to cover every aspect of the field. It won't work if just the kicker kicks the ball and tries to run down there. You usually actually don't want your kicker to try to tackle somebody or to run with the ball. I guess that is unless you're the punter for the Linden Lions who scored a touchdown last week. That was amazing. Usually punters don't do that, all right? But this dude's like super fast. But for us as a church, it isn't good for us if just the senior pastor or the pastoral staff or the other paid staff positions do the work. It's not just up to the elders or the deacons to do the work of the ministry. It is actually the responsibility of church leadership to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We are to tee up the ball. Maybe we even kick it off, but we're all to race down the field and accomplish the works that were all created beforehand by King Jesus to walk in. We each have an area of responsibility to cover. And so I want to see together today what's going on as we begin to kick off this ministry year. We want to talk about who some of our key players are, and then I want to talk about some of the key plays that we'll be running in this ministry year. And we also want to celebrate the fact that we have a new playing facility. There's like a brand new building that's just ready to be used. In fact, some of it has been used already, and we want to officially dedicate this new building today. 
And like I said, we were planning on being outside and having that, but we're inside and we're flexible today, and so we're grateful. But let's pray. God, we pray that you would help us as we kind of survey these ministries. What do we have going on? What is our particular responsibility that we're to be involved in this year in ministry? And I pray that you would be so pleased to give us your insight into all these things as we ask you, God, help in our time of need right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we really want to kind of look through three things today. Who are the players that we have out in the field this year? Uh, We want to look at our new facility, and then why are we even playing the game in the first place? Okay? So who are the players that we have out in the field this year? Well, all of you. (laughs) Every single one of you. You don't just have to have a name tag on to be like a, a major player. Like every single one of you here, we stress every member ministry here. If you come here, you are important. We started talking about that in our new membership classes. Like you are essential for being here as often as you can be here. Right? If you come here, you are important. There are many, many, many of you that have been involved to some capacity around here for years now. But there's also many, many, many of you that just started coming in the last few years or months or even weeks. And you are important. And you might be wondering, why am I here? What should I be doing? Well, this is what we're going to talk about today. How can you get involved? How can your unique ministry situation, the unique gifting that the Holy Spirit has given you, fit in to the context of our ministry focus here at FCC? So here we go. I'm going to run through a lot of ministries that are identified in your bulletin and identified in the church brochure that you should hold on to. But first of all, nursery, children's ministry, Awana, and choir. All that stuff is starting up. In fact, Awana already started up this last week. Melanie Moyer is our children's ministry director. And so anything children's ministry related just kind of runs through that funnel. We run stuff through her And she helps distribute all these ministry ideas out to these different people. But we have nursery working going on. And that helps us, right, to concentrate in the message time and in the service time to have that ministry taking place simultaneously. So some of you can super serve the body just by volunteering in the nursery every once in a while. We desperately need you in there for these little ones to be loved on and cared for. We have children's church going on as well during this hour for those third grade and under. And there's amazing teachers there, amazing Sunday school teachers. We have Awana, Garrett and Elaine Camp. We started up this last week, and there's a bunch of kids, right? A bunch of kids running around this place. And a whole bunch of volunteers that are donating their time on Wednesday night to love these kids. And, and then Tammy Vanderpool. Uh, are you here today? Are you, are you somewhere? There she is. She's directing our children's choir. They're doing a wonderful production called The Secret of Snowflake County this year. I've done that one two times before. It's amazing. And she's the only one helping right now. And there's going to be a lot of kids that will need more than just Tammy's help. All right. So if you want to help out in that ministry, Tammy would love to interact with you. She's looking for a team to help her out. But that's a little bit of our children's ministry, student ministry, and young adults. Pastor Danny has been here for a long time serving our young adults and our students, junior high and high school ministries, meeting on Wednesday nights. Occasionally they meet on Sunday nights, doing special events, 
doing different trips and service opportunities. They have a wonderful team of leaders that serve alongside him. They're also starting up uh, a young adult ministry on Sunday nights where they're going to be looking at going through the book of Ephesians. I know we did that a year and a half ago, but going through it again and trying to glean from it practical applications. Starting Sunday nights tonight, is that right? You and Frank Sprague, there you go, buddy. There's the plug, right? 18 to 24-year-olds, we'd love to have you come out to that and, and, and interact with one another. We have minist- women's ministry going on. Marilyn Gross, is she floating around here somewhere? She is back there doing stuff, right? <laughs> She's doing the work of the ministry. Marilyn Gross kind of heads up our women's ministries that really consist of a whole bunch of ways of caring for people, but also Bible studies, and there's a retreat coming up in March that we hope all the women come to. Man, I mean, my wife came back from that women's ministry retreat this last year. She said, Sean, it was amazing. It was amazing. So Anna Mae is going through the book of John on Wednesday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Erica is going through the general epistles at 9.45 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Ruth DeBoer is going for First and Second Thessalonians as well. Christine Reinhardt is going through a study on Wednesday nights at 6.30 called Where Do We Go From Here? A book by uh, David Jeremiah, a very practical book for our time and where we find ourselves today. Jan Martin is leading a Zoom class, a Zoom Bible study midweek as well. So there's plenty of opportunities to get involved. One of the most exciting things for me, though, is we're starting a brand new ministry on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8, which is called Moms in Prayer. One of the things that we have to get better at is praying together as a church for our young ones, for our not-so-young ones, just moms getting together and praying every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. We would love as many people to join that group. Talk about powerful. We have men's ministries going on. Dan Gross, right? It's the Gross family. Women, there he is. He's in the back, right? Dan Gross is kind of heading up our men's ministry and used to do it alongside Steve Tatro, and he's way down in Arizona now, right? He's no help to us, right? No. Um, so Dan, Dan has done a phenomenal job in organizing men's ministries. We've got Bible studies going on. Right, They're going through the book of Acts on Wednesday nights. We have breakfast every Saturday morning, the first Saturday morning of every month. The first one is starting up in October. We'd love to have you come out for that. Arnie Blankers helps lead a Bible study at 545, yes, 545 a.m., okay? For those of you that like to get up early, they're going, they've been going through the Bible since the inception of the church, just going through to studying the Bible, at 5.45, so since 1990, this Bible study has been going on, and you could join it in 2022. That is if you ever wake up at 5.45 in the morning, right? So at Rustler's, so many ministries. We had a life group leaders meeting on Thursday night just talking about and strategizing how do we get people plugged in. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful that our church offers kind of a la carte ministry. We got Bible studies, we got retreats, those types of things. Life groups is one of those things. Some of you need to get connected to people, and some of you are brand new to the church and say, I don't know how to get connected. I was talking with Garrett just a few years ago. They were new to the church, and they were new to the church with a whole bunch of other people that were new to the church, and you know what they did? They got in a life group together, and now that life group is thriving, and they love one another. They care for one another. So you could say, well, I don't know who to get involved with. Maybe you need to be the leader. Every member matters. Every, maybe you need to be the host family. To get connected with people. If you're interested in life groups, Aaron Schiffman is one of our elders. 
And he's got a little sign-up sheet in the back by the ministry opportunities table for you to write down your name and say, hey, I'd love to get more information about life groups. Some of them go through discussion questions that are based on the sermon. Some choose topical studies of their own. We let you choose as a, as a group to do whatever you want to do. But Aaron can get you connected at that point. I was joking with, not really joking, I was telling uh, the life group leaders is that I think I hug members from my life group every time I come to church. Like, it's, they're that important to me. They're, they're my friends, they're the people that I can be real with. And especially as a pastor, that's hard to do. But it's my, it's my connecting point in the church, and some of you need to get connected in that way. We have biblical counseling going on. Competent people that are getting trained up, Tim Smith and Erica Berdan are kind of leading a group of about a dozen people that are going through a lay counseling certificate so that by the end of this year, they'll be trained up to do some lay counseling for us. So it's not just all on the pastors or the elders of the church. Some of you might be interested in that program as well. Just let us know. We have HymnSync starting up on Tuesday morning. Great opportunity for us to look at the Psalms. This year, we're going to look at the different genres of Psalms. How can we express our different types of praise and our needs and petitions to God through the Psalms? And so that starts at 1030 to 1130, and that's a strategic time because we hope that people would stick around afterwards maybe and hang out for a bit or maybe even go grab a bite to eat. That time of fellowship for people that have that open in, openness in their schedule on Tuesdays. We have equipping hour that meets at 930 in the gymnasium right before this service starting next week. Is the Bible a cold dead book? Or is it an inestimable treasure, right? What does this book say? We need to be equipped to know how to defend it and believe it and teach it. Because this thing is completely under attack. Why in the world do you live that way? Well, it's based off the Bible. Well, why would you believe the Bible? It's just a bunch of fairy tales, right? So how are we going to defend this book? Join us for an introduction to bibliology this semester as we look at that. And that's going to be taught by myself, Pastor Danny. Shane Hampshire is going to teach a couple sessions as well. And our elders are going to lead a couple prayer times as well. So we're excited about all these things. And speaking of Shane Hamstra, everybody look back and say, hi, Shane. He's way back there. Shane is usually right up here. We have brought Shane on as a pastoral intern. So he's not a pastor, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have brought him on for this ministry season as a pastoral intern where we can kind of take him under our wings and kind of disciple him and mentor him as a staff and utilize his gifts and abilities. Obviously, he has tremendous gifts and abilities in music and video and teaching and working with youth ministry. So like we have identified him as somebody that we want to intentionally grab and disciple and utilize in ministry here. So we've brought him on as a pastoral uh, intern for this season uh, for kind of like a six-month stint, and we'll see how God utilizes him. And he helps work with our worship teams, Right? leading us in songs that teach us and allow us to express our praises to God. Every person in this holy gathering is actually part of the worship team. It's not just what takes place on stage. It's you offering your heartfelt praises to God and instructing the rest of God's people with truth-filled songs. That's what corporate musical worship is about. And Shane helps us with that every week. Angela Henderson. Hey, there's Angela. Everybody say, hi, Angela. She's in the back. <laughs> She has helped us out tremendously just in the last week or two. Me and Erica, mostly Erica, like pulling her hair out. Like, how do we organize all these special events that happen all the time, right? And Angela says, hey, I think I could do that, right? We're like, of course you can, right? 
bring her on as kind of our special events coordinator to be able to pull off things like the church picnic or membership class lunches or baptism special things like she is going to be a huge asset and some of you say I can't help out in a weekly ministry I can't commit to being there every Wednesday or Sunday or whatever it might be but I'd love to help out in some capacity well this is the perfect the streamlined position for you to be in. If you say, I can help out on occasion, talk with Angela and say, hey, I'd love to help out in a special events type of way with celebrations that we have going on throughout the year. Next, we have Pastor Mike Canfield. Pastor Mike Canfield is not here today, but he has been here a ton over the last like 28 years, right? Now, some of you say, I don't really know who Pastor Mike is. Because some of you are so new, but Pastor Mike has been, outside of like Jesus being like the cornerstone of the church, like he's kind of been the glue that's held a lot of stuff together for many, many years. And Pastor Mike is, is shifting his role from a more of a pastoral role to more of a director role of alternative education. And so we want to acknowledge that. And so in October, which is Pastor's Appreciation Month, we're going to set aside a Sunday where we have some sort of special event that Angela's going to help coordinate, along with some of your help, to honor that pastoral calling that God has given Mike. And we want to not honor Mike, but we really want to honor God because we know that pastors are a gift to the church, is what Paul says to the Ephesians. And so we want to thank God for the way that Mike has been utilized as a pastor in his pastoring roles over the years, but now we also want to, we want to recommission him into a director of alternative education role. And so we're excited about that, so stay tuned for a date in October where we can have that be our opportunity. And one of the primary ministries that he is going to oversee is the preschool program. Man, we're going to dedicate that building. I walked in that building again this morning, and I just got happy. I just, I started, I started smiling, and I, all, I felt like tears in my eyes. Just imagining, and, and imagining this place being filled with kids that represent families that may or may not come to FCC that need to be in, in, encountered with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have some lead teachers, Kayla Hamstra and Melissa Tabor. They're going to be in the rooms after church, and you can kind of walk through there and just kind of see what it looks like. Debbie Myers and Maddie Langstrat will be the teacher's aides that will be in there as well. So it's kind of an open house. We want you to walk through and just kind of envision what ministry looks like in that building. So speaking of that building, I want to talk about our new playing field, our new playing field. We're actually pleased to announce that we have a new facility to utilize for ministry. Now, we know that our individual bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, do you not know that your body, your body, not a building, but your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, so you are not your own. So that's why we're instructed to honor the Lord with our body, what we do with it. We better be very careful about what we put into it and what we do with it or not do with it. But we also know that collectively that God's people are God's temple, right? Instead of God's people having a building or a temple or a tabernacle to offer their holy and pleasing sacrifice to him, and God's people themselves have become the house of God and their entire lives are the sacrifice of worship. 1 Peter 2, 4-5 says, As you come to him, the living stone that's being rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, each one of us, each member is important, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, 
to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So before we dedicate a building, we need to dedicate ourselves to this work. We want to make sure that we understand that the Bible talked, how the Bible talks about temples and places of worship versus the buildings that are God's people themselves. We gather together in this building, but our focus today is not to dedicate a building, but the focus is, of course, not on the building itself, but about Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone of his church. He is the Lord of the church. And all the temple and building language in Scripture points in the end to God's people. But this building that we dedicate, the education building, is awesome. And we can't wait to use it. And we can't wait for you to walk through it and just pray over it. In fact, we've already used it a number of times this last week. And it's quite the improvement from the last one. <laughs> I wasn't here. Well, I was here for the last one when I was candidating. I got to walk through it and, like, choke to death from the must, right? And the mold, right? Somebody actually asked me, hey, is the, is the new building going to have plumbing in it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> it better, right, for the money, right? The building is amazing. We can't wait for you to walk through it. And I want to take some time to recognize this Sunday um, kind of the education building committee, people who have donated their time and effort into it. So I'm just going to list off some of these people. Uh, the initial committee members included Gene Balma, Ron Starkenberg, Ron Berdan, Clyde Leibolt, Ray Haringa, Kevin Coy, Kevin Spolstra, and Rick Holloman. And uh, Martin DeLang was also on the committee too before he passed away. But I want to talk about these individuals who have offered their skill sets to this building. Right? Ron Starkenberg, who is an elder and overseer of the finances as well as multiple trips uh, to the cardboard recycling place with Linda. Right? Like a lot of products moving in there that need to get rid of, right? The cardboard. So Ron Starkenberg. Gene Bauma was the initial overseer in the groundbreaking event. Roy Burdan was the finished carpenter, overseer number two, kind of picked up where, where Gene left off there too. Kevin Spolstra was the general contractor along with his crew, framing up the whole building and doing some of the finishing stuff as well. Benny McDonald, electrician, he brought his team in to help donate some of his time there. Ryan Hamster with the HVAC, Kevin Coy, with uh, cabinets, flooring, and baseboards, Steve Moyer with AV, wiring, and IT stuff, Jim Vanderpool, doors, mirrors, install, Ray Haringa, concrete, bumpers, Bob Phillips, preschool, cubby, carpenter, all right? So look at the little cubby holes. That's Bob Phillips for you, right? I love it. And it's that, that's the part that made me smile. Each person had their little spot. Each person had their little place to put their backpack because Bob donated his time to do it. Keith Huntoon, shelf builder in the storage. Arnie Blankers, concrete pouring. Rick Holloman, water system, groundwork with neighbors. Doug Meek, irrigation. Jeremy Mead, lawn work. Mike Camfield, supply ordering. Melanie Moyer, the drapes, right? Uh, er <laughs> Erica Berdan, admin, finish work and signage, and many, many others who help clean and prep, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are excited that God's people join together to construct this building, and it's awesome, and we're trusting God to use it as a wonderful place for us to gather and to help encourage one another so that we're better equipped to fulfill our mission as a church. So now we've identified some of our key players, and we've talked about our new facility, but now I want to talk about why we're taking the field in the first place. And I can smell the burgers, and so we're going to wrap up really soon. <laughs> why are we out in the field? Yes, these are the key players. 
Yes, we have a new cool building. Why? Why play the game? Well, FCC is here to proclaim and to serve the community. Proclaim Jesus and serve the community. Our ambition as a church is to proclaim Christ and to serve others. We kind of find this in Paul's admonition to the Corinthians when he writes, For what we proclaim is not ourselves. It's not about our players. It's not about how cool our facility is. But Jesus Christ is Lord. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So we proclaim and we serve. I have referenced this verse multiple times since coming here, and you're going to hear me reference it again many, many more times. We are people who proclaim. The word Paul uses is keruso, to publicly announce, to herald, to preach, to proclaim. And what we are to publicly announce and proclaim is not ourselves. Look at us. Look how we got it together over here out in the county church, FCC, right? Instead, we are to proclaim something about somebody else. The church is not built around a cult of personality or who goes there. The cornerstone of this church is the stone that the builders rejected, and we proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus Christ the Lord. We proclaim Jesus we proclaim the one whose very name means he will save his people from their sins. We proclaim Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one of God who was promised to come from long ago. And we proclaim that he is the one who already came and we talk about him and we proclaim that he is the one who will come again. And we proclaim Jesus the Christ as Lord he is the Lord. He is the one who demonstrated supernatural authority over all of humankind and all of his creation. So FCC is not about any one of us. It's about Jesus Christ being the Lord. And we proclaim him in everything that we do. It is absolutely not about us. And since Jesus Christ is the Lord... And since Jesus Christ has the supreme prominence here, there's a logical connection that follows. If he is Lord, then we are servants. And what's amazing here is if you look closely at the text, this is amazing. You will realize that Paul says we're not servants of Christ now, we see that in other passages of Scripture that we are his servants, but in this passage, he doesn't make the connection that we are servants of Christ. Who does he say that we are servants of? He says that we are a servant of the Corinthians. Look at that. With ourselves as your servants, we're serving you Corinthians. 
Paul says that he is a doulos, a slave, an idea that we get the idea of, of slavery or servanthood, bond servant. Paul says that he identifies himself as being in a perpetual state of being completely controlled by someone or something that exists outside of himself. And he says here that he is subservient to and controlled by the needs of the Corinthians. That's what he says. We are your servants. This is amazing. In this passage of scripture, he identifies himself as a proclaimer of Christ and as a servant of others. This is what Paul lived for. And this is how Paul laid down his life as a pattern for all of us who follow Christ to follow in. Remember that crazy sentence that he wrote in chapter 11? Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Like, whoa, that's pretty bold. Well, what did Paul want the Corinthians to imitate? Well, what did Paul want to imitate about Christ? Well, Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve. And how did he primarily serve us? To give his life as a ransom for many. Why would Paul want to serve other people? Why would Paul say, I want to be subservient to your needs, Corinthians? Why would he want to serve their needs of other people? Why would we want to do that? It's because what has been done for us by the one we are claiming to follow. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve us. And so we say, okay, we are going to make ourselves chief servants of our community. We will do whatever their needs to desire and demand because we want to proclaim Christ when we go meet those needs. It's not about us. And look at how Paul ends it here. This is, this is so amazing. And I, I don't know if the verse is, but can we go back, Tim, to, to chapter, uh, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter two or chapter 4, verse 5. I forgot to put it in the PowerPoint. There you go. Look at how Paul ends it here. There's a word in our English translations that's not in the Greek, and it actually turns the whole phrase around. Because our English translations add the word sake after Jesus so that it reads like this, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But the problem is, there is no Greek word sake in the text. The ESV translators added it there. It's like, for the cause of Jesus, for Jesus' sake, we do this. But it's actually not there. What Paul has in mind and what he writes is, we do this for Jesus, period. In other words, on behalf of Jesus, we do this. Jesus is actually the one doing it and serving his people through us and our efforts. Period. Jesus has already served fallen people so well by living and dying for them. And now he enlists us and he says, hey, hey, can you, can you who gather at FCC, can you go and proclaim what I've done? Will you, in fact, go serve other people in my stead? Will you, will you go serve for me? As if you're my collective hands and my feet and my lips. Can you, not for my sake, but for me, myself. Talk about ramped up responsibilities. Not just for the sake of Jesus, but for Jesus. Because we are his hands and his feet and his lips. Can you do this serving almost as if you were me? 
in my place. These people need love and belonging, and I want to express my love and my care through you. You are my body. So if you stick around here, this is what we're ultimately committed to. We are committed to proclaiming Christ and serving others because FCC is a fellowship of disciples who makes and matures more disciples. That's our ambition. That's why we play the game. That's why the players are in place. That's why we build facilities. That's why we all go run down and have different areas of kick coverage and do our assignments in this ministry kickoff year. And this is our ambition. But as I was thinking about this this week, and I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and make their way up here now. This is our ambition. But if God doesn't do the work, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. Burgers in vain. Buildings in vain. Messages in vain. Seats occupied in vain. Bible studies, life groups, vain, 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 vain. If God doesn't show up and do the work that he wants to do, we actually need the fountain of every blessing to come and to animate us and empower us to do this because you know what? My heart is very, very prone to wander, right? Like, it only took a Tuesday and a busy schedule for me to be all over the place. And I said, God, help, help. And that's what we desperately all need. So I'd like for the congregation to stand, and I want to sing this prayer to God that the fountain of every blessing would come and animate us and empower us to do that which he's called us to do because we're all very prone to wander. I'll